Danny Archer. Danny Bones. Pleased to meet you. American, huh? Guilty. Well, Americans usually are. Says the white South African. I'm from Rhodesia. We say Zimbabwe now, don't we? <laughs> Hypothetical viewers and um, dream travelers. This is Spine Crackers. I'm and Paul. you are? Oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, oh, so we almost got it next time. Shit. I'm Matthew. Did you I'm... say you're Gabe already? No, I didn't, oh. but I am. <laughs> I am. <laughs> that was the worst intro of every. <laughs> Any how podcast is, how is it so tortured that we this process wow guys Off we're in, this start. is we this is gonna be our what 12th episode we gotta get this shit together yeah i mean we, we only just started saying our name though like two episodes ago. that's true we don't have to practice with that particular thing yeah. yet yeah I'm, as far as so so that was okay was I'm plus. I'm, that's paul and Matt. that's paul <laughs> that's paul <laughs> <laughs> oh man insert graphic on the video that you, right that, that doesn't exist and uh you are about to enjoy a nice episode as you always are with your hosts matt <laughs> gabe <laughs> paul spine and, crackers. Uh, this is spine crackers today uh we're going to be talking about a I don't even know what to describe it. This is not even a novella. This is like some weird. I chose this is my pick. The name of the book is Great Work of Time. Cringe name, by the way. It pulled from what? I already forget. Some poem. Um, yeah, yeah. It's in the text. I think it was uh Back to the Future. Easy that's too easy, Paul. Come on now. <laughs> no, no, no. Sometimes <laughs> sometimes simple is good. That's perfect. Gabe laughed. All right. Just because it's your pick doesn't mean you can't laugh. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> it's some uh, it's some po weird poem about Oliver Cromwell or something. And it's uh it's by John Crowley. Um and it's a time travel story, basically. Wait, Matt, why are you why did you hesitate to call it a novella? I, I just forget like what form it took, and I also don't still don't know what the fucking baseline length for a novella is, or like what constitutes a novella versus a super long short story. I don't. I, mean, I, I just it, to me, it's sort of a, it's sort of like the the the, the classic like pornography definition. It's just like you know when you see it, and to me, this was a novella. <laughs> you don't think it's like when is a when how many grains of sand does it take to make like a heap? You know what I mean? Like one. No, of, those of course. Yeah, it's a it's a uh, to use. Uh, a little philosophy jargon. It's a Sorieties paradox, and yeah, of course it is. But Sorieties, yeah, Sorieties paradox, aka the paradox of the heap. That's what that. Is. Okay, I knew I was. I, okay, yeah. Uh, to me, I've, I've, I, I, I was thinking of this as a novella in my head, so I was just curious as to why you were hesitant about making that. Just because it's still not clear to me, and it, I guess it never will be. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully not, because if it ever is, we can stop. Uh, we'll have to stop having these discussions every episode. 
God, are you are you trying to make the difference minute. between short story and novella? Is that the thing? Like, is it a short story or a novella? Is that what yeah, I, I mean, I guess I just I don't care that much, but um, okay. I know that the, also John Crowley is is it's it's also just based on like John Crowley's like publishability or or how much he's in print because I think this thing showed up before in like a collection. Uh, and I don't think it was ever published standalone, but maybe I'm wrong. I, well, but but I mean, but I mean, for example, like the a couple episodes ago, we did um, Soul of Wood, Yakov Lin's, and mm-hmm. and that was published in a collection with other short stories. But I feel totally comfortable calling it a novella. So I just kind of was treating this the same way. Okay, and they're and they're about the same length, I think. Yeah, about eighty pages, basically. Yeah, but um, like I said, this is my choice. Uh partially because it's a little shorter and I chose a chonker big big chonky boy for my next pick so like spoilers spoilers but I thought I would uh ease it up it's Moby it's Moby Dick it's Moby Dick (laughs) (laughs) uh it's infinite jest uh but also I'd been meaning to read something by John Crowley for a while I when I was like deep into sci-fi fantasy stuff his uh as like a preteen and like late teen like 15 you know 13 14 15 years old when i was like uh deep into escapism for reasons uh that i won't go into uh are you not still god damn we all need it now more than ever fair, fair enough but uh a, a book called little big which of course i thought of little big planet when i when i thought and that's a good meme and maybe we'll do it later but uh was it was like a, a well-known, I would say, thing that was recommended to me at that age. Uh, and he was always a name knocking around in my head. And then... My first thought real... was Stuart Little. <laughs> Stuart Little Big. Little Big of heart and spirit. Uh, but so so the name was always knocking around in my head. I was like reminded of him recently. And then uh, I looked up this story and it sounded like a very good companion piece to lathe of heaven uh and so i also thought it would just be interesting for that reason like another sort of high concept sci-fi fantasy story about i don't know like the intricacies and ethical nature of changing the the world essentially through some obscure like uh unexplained basically like fantastical reason and like what that does to people and what that does to like reality and this kind of stuff and I think it, cool. it 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 definitely follows in that same sort of tradition of Lathe of Heaven, where it's the mechanism by which the sort of sci-fi elements are uh, operate is explained like just enough where you're not like right this is ridiculous, but but not enough to the point that it that you're reading like a technical manual like it, that's not the focus, you know what I mean? You know who was great at that, incidentally, was Michael Crichton. As like a Harvard MD, he had just, he had the perfect amount of just kind of like ambient, you know, STEM fucking jargon rattling around in his head to like sell you a concept. And you're just like, why aren't there dinosaurs? You just be like, yeah, fucking do it and make the dinosaurs. It sounds totally feasible because he creates like these phrases that have such potent kind of uh evocative power but they're essentially black boxes and and yeah 
and I feel I mean I feel like this this story is even even less than that, right? We yeah, basically yeah. just get like there's some mechanism by which, uh, you know, essentially not no spoilers. I mean, all spoilers. All we do is spoil things. Yeah, here. but time travel is discovered, and we we have essentially like no concept or no understanding of how that actually happens. It's it's just sort of there's a uh you mentioned michael crichton which i think is funny because the opening sort of um chapter of the novella really reminded me of the opening scene of jurassic park with yeah. dennis nedry and um <laughs> the other guy what i forget his name uh dodson uh don't know i think it's dodson when he meets him in a cafe in costa rica somewhere or whatever and he's got the hat and he's got the sunglasses and whatever. It's that meme where he's like, we got Dodson, we got Dodson here. And he's like, look, nobody right. cares. Right. Um, it just- Is that the, the opening scene? That's the, I think that's, I believe that's the opening scene of Jurassic the Park. The opening scene of Jurassic second, Park. It might be the second, you know, I think it might be the second scene. Yeah, the, the opening scene in Jurassic Park is the shoot-ha scene. You're right, that's you're why right. I, it's the second That's why when you said that, that's why when, when you said that in the text, I was like, what? Okay, well, I'm just see that fine. All. I'll just fine. I'll jump off a bridge. But, it's fine. Got no, you. But now that, Pollard. but now that you say that, now that you say that, I understand what you're saying. But in the text, I was like, "Am I missing something completely?" Because uh, there's no dinosaurs in this scene. Anyway, okay, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. All right, Damn. that is a fair. That is a fair critique. Um, now, what the <laughs> hell is this book actually about? Uh. I guess I can say like that maybe the superficial plot lines of it, which are just, um, yeah, this man develops a time machine. Uh, Casper for, last. Casper right? last for Caspar. Probably more that. Uh, Great name. Pretty pretty selfish reasons, I would say, like almost mundane, like, uh, and in so doing, I think like opens up what they call this thing called like orthogonal logic and orthogonal physics where a timeline then split splintered off at a, uh, you know, an orthogonal angle from the current timeline and created the possibility for in the past, this um, secret society called the otherhood uh, who were created off of a uh, monetary endowment by the late Cecil Rhodes of South Africa. See, it's, it's convoluted. Uh, and and whose purpose is essentially to taking this technology and knowledge from the future, establishing themselves as a, uh, a, a secret society that operates to perpetuate the supremacy of the British Empire uh, by manipulating the past. Um, and trying to continually fiddle with it and um, achieve peaceful results, quote unquote, but essentially just the the sun never setting on the British Empire. And I, I, it's most it seems mostly to be a book about like colonialism and specifically the British Empire, and uh, you know, with like sci-fi elements in it. But it uh, reads yeah. a little bit like uh, like historical fiction to me. Totally. Little, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it kind of literally uh, is. Which was very boring. <laughs> Were you bored? Yes. Let oh, me no. let me let me get off. Let me start this off 
from my perspective saying that I was very bored. Can I just and say before have... before Paul goes on, can I just say to all of our Instagram and Twitter followers, I regret burning my Gene Ray Time Cube meme on uh Sosuke's yeah. book because this would have been much more appropriate. Damn, dude. So you just you thought it was boring, Paul? Yeah, I had a little bit of Will vibes from it, to be honest. Wow, uh, it's so different. Uh, well, and just the respect that there was like very soft sci-fi elements, and it was very, <laughs> it was very wordy, and like, I don't know, just the general themes of time travel were very boring to me. Like the main character, the first thing he wants to do is go back in time and steal a stamp, and I was like, dude, that's the most boring thing you can steal. This is a boring book already. Well, okay, but wait, I I will defend the the stealing the stamp. Um, <laughs> Uh, choice okay so but so so first of all if you want to hear us talk about umsville um give us money and and maybe we'll do it in the future um but i think stealing the stamp is explained like the logic that casper last goes through to to, to land on the thing of stealing a stamp and then essentially mailing it to his grandfather who he knows will put it in storage that will that will wind up in his mother's attic that he will have access to in his current right. timeline and and it's a very rare stamp and it'll be worth a bunch of money when he gets it i actually think that that sort of that that thought process ex is explained like really really well um and maybe maybe it's just because i'm like sort of like a you know philosophy nerd and i was like oh yeah this logically makes more sense than just like going back and and fucking like you know killing baby hitler or, or whatever <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> because like like yeah you know i i mean i actually thought that it was a pretty sophisticated explanation or or, or sort of walkthrough of the thought process of of how to interact with previous timelines in a way that wouldn't sort of or ha would have the least sort of chance of dramatically affecting the present and okay maybe it doesn't yeah. maybe it doesn't necessarily make for like a fucking crackling uh you know, it was not buster of a read, but I thought it was well done. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I mean, I, I totally agree that it was like, it was very well thought out and it, it was more of a concrete actual plan that you would have going back in time, which you wouldn't want to go back in time and steal the Declaration of Independence, you know, you'd probably get caught. Uh, Nicholas Cage. You sell it. Nicholas yeah. Cage. I'm going to steal um, the Declaration of Independence. I don't know. I kind of wanted to come in to this with a kind of a curmudgeon attitude a little bit because i didn't i don't know do I, it yeah i i just come back to like if i'm if if a sci-fi story isn't gonna have like four elements or four lines or paragraphs of sci-fi stuff and the first what? thing the guy's gonna do is uh steal a stamp i'm just like all right this is boring you mean the first <laughs> And then it gets bogged. Then it gets bogged down with like bureaucratic people in, people in meetings. What bog? What? No, I'm bog? just bogged down. It's just it's the okay. Sorry. No, Paul's just, just talking about his favorite uh, local bar. Yeah, I thought. Th yeah, I thought that you were just giving a shout out to the bog across the street for me. I mean, always shout out to the bog. The bog's great. What a name for a bar! It's incredible. The bog. It's like the swamp yeah. from Mash. 
if we ever get famous, we need to delete this part of the episode because people will track down where Paul lives and murder yeah, him. I live, and murder him. I live directly across the street from it. In case you're wondering, I live in Montana, so you can look it up there. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Covered. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. I I, uh, I think I checked out pretty early on and then I was like, I was I felt like okay about getting being checked out because it continued to be boring for me. Well, okay, so it's I mean, I think we've we've so far given a little bit of a short shrift to the actual story because uh we've been talking about Casper Last and the stealing of the stamp, but that's really only about like a fifth of the actual story. Most of the story deals with a different group of characters entirely, right? Well, this is this is what I I, I was trying I was going to defend Casper Last for this reason. Uh I like Clearly, first of all, Crowley is like very familiar with all of the other like uh, like a lot of time travel stuff and time travel narrative. Like he he mentions the the grandfather paradox, which is like an old kind of you know conceit of like early sci-fi. And then like I think he even kind of talks about how the the tech used in the time travel process is like incredibly mundane and unremarkable and the opposite of like, I think he's sort of painting it in contrast to like Jules Verne or whatever. And like the like shiny brass and steampunk shit that uh, I forget the, the original time machine used. Who is the guy who the time traveler? He's just called the time traveler. I think I was just, I have no idea. I think that's right. But I was also just cause I was also just thinking of someone just vaping and just being called Jewel Verne. <laughs> Oh, oh. <laughs> dude that's awesome that uh, <laughs> so i i like this thing where like the guy who kind of precipitates the creation of this entire other secret society from the past is this kind of almost like boring genius like this guy who's brilliant but but also because he's so smart in uh you know kind of like seeing through the veil of reality and inventing this orthogonal logic to time travel he's also just this absolutely like just this dullard who is like i just want to make enough money so that i can chill and like drink beers and be comfortable and i I don't know if i would call him a dullard i would just say he's he's not sort of interested in exploiting his discovery he in, wants to destroy in, in, it in any sort of grandiose way, right? Exactly. He wants to destroy it. Well, he's in con. Well, I think the thing is like this man and his the intention for the creation of this thing is in complete contrast to the characters we meet later. Like he doesn't even figure into the fucking story ever again, really. Except no, for, like, I mean, I think yeah, I think the main, the actual main character of the story is Dennis, right? Yeah, yeah, Dennis Winterset. But I, I like this contrast. Dennis. I. I think this man who made this technology essentially for completely selfish and and contrary reasons and was hoping to destroy it, uh, creating a completely unintentional entire world-shifting reality is 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 an important part of the I I don't know like the 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 like point of the book like just i don't know exactly what i mean by that but just like something as mundane as trying to make some some money through an extraordinary discovery even is enough to set certain things in motion that are insanely different yeah and i and i think the way that it's written is smart because basically we get 
we get the original scene of Casper Last going back in time with his invention to sort of send his future grandfather a letter with a very rare stamp uh, that he will, you know, later in his own timeline find hidden in his mother's attic. And then we sort of skip ahead to this character, Dennis Winterset, who's some sort of like provincial British governor in South Africa. Um, where is he at the time? I forget the, I'm bad at like British colonial names because it's not, it's no longer a country. Rhodesia. Is he in Rhodesia? Okay. I, th I think Winterset is in Rod Rhodesia. Um, okay. Because he lives in a different reality from the one he eventually gets to. Well, right. So, but so he's sort of, he's traveling home on a, on a rail line right from south africa back through cairo to to england and he has this encounter uh in khartoum right which yes. is in, in modern day sudan and uh is essentially sort of invited to this secret society that was founded by C cecil rhodes who <laughs> is a real life person um uh, a real sort a real life british colonialist um, but in the in the world of the story, also founded a time travel society to keep the British Empire in power indefinitely, basically. But Cecil Rhodes didn't intend for that. He he just put in money to create a secret society. And well, this society right, and that's the and that's one of the sort of like fun wrinkles of the story is that one of the like perpetual. Uh, tasks of the society members is to keep going back in time and keep forcing Cecil Rhodes to appropriate this money in a very particular <laughs> way such that the society that they exist in is in the past founded. I, I just thought it was really, really well done and fascinating in that way. And it's, it's a pretty good way to critique, uh, you know, colonialism in general too. Like I think this is this was a pretty decent like way of kind of creating an a, almost a reductio ad absurdum st style critique of like uh, the goals of, of the British Empire itself, Cecil Rhodes' his own worldview, and like also mingle that in with just a, a kind of critique of like narrative history and its truthfulness ever by like just kind of meta making it a metaphor of just people continually fracturing the the timeline by emphasizing something else or lying essentially or just right. sort of like it's very so. sort of a fractal right like it's it, it 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 you know the 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 society the otherhood right they um Go, keep going back and checking and like, okay, what happens if we do this? What happens if we do this? And it's a specific skill set that people have to learn to be able to go back and like not um, overly influence what happens in the future. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think that it, it sort of becomes this really um, almost bureaucratic thing where it's, yeah. which, which I think is a, a theme when you talk about books about empire, about colonialism. I mean, even like last week when we were talking about, um, you know, Nazi Germany, it's a sort of common thread when you talk about these sorts of expansive empires and 
I think even in some of that earlier chapters in the first, second chapter, when Dennis is sort of considering the British empire on his train ride through Africa, I thought, I thought that, I thought that that was a really good description of that sort of vibe. I think one problem I have with it being uh, British colonialism is that it, it seemed to be kind of like, like pick your poison. Like there, there wasn't really any concise political discussion in terms of that for me. Like to me, it could have been any empire. Like what, what was the point of it being the British colonialism? Um, it didn't really dive deep into the politics of it to a huge degree where it like affected me. Um, so I didn't really see the point of, of that. I don't well, know. I, okay, I have a, I do have a pushback because I, I mean, I do agree that I think that it's generally like a, a broad critique of colonialism. But sure, yeah. Even if you like, you jokingly sent us a an Amazon review earlier in the text today, and the person <laughs> literally said like, this felt particularly meaningful for me as someone from South Africa. Uh, yeah, because it like really described a lot of like the sort of experiences that I've had and the the vibes that I felt around, you know, being a post British colonial, like in my post colonial existence, you know. So I do think there's some some specificities that you and I and and Matt are probably missing. Um, but also, yeah. it's it's one of the most famous. I, I would say it's probably it's the most. <laughs> dare we say accessible historically kind of like example of empire like the british empire is probably the most the biggest the most famous one so is this trying to be like a general broad critique to the average reader you think i don't know i just think historically it might be the thing that people are most familiar with it i, I would say like the british empire which is it literally just has been called that even uh is probably the most well-known i yeah. don't know i think my question was for like for myself reading it was mostly just like what exactly is the author trying to critique with this with this plot and I, it never really came across to me other than like it's a bureaucratic system that is bad i think i think if you, i but this is where i think lathe of heaven is a decent parallel is just that like we have an entirely different method of manipulating reality but i i don't see it ultimately it kind of amounts to something similar which is just like you're not like individuals are not going to be able to harness this ability effectively it's just going to lead to doom like you you really can't fucking <laughs> change you can't just change things that you don't like by the reason of not liking them it's uh it just invites disaster i think that's i think yeah. that's more the takeaway yeah but i think it did it in a much smaller more uh <laughs> i don't know it, it, it did it in a much smaller scale even though the like the reality was still shifted to a huge degree in, in this story, I, I just think that it like the point that Lathe of Heaven was trying to make came across like hit me over the head in a good way. Mm -hmm. And this was just very like uh, 
I, I, I'm trying not to use the word dry, but that's all that's popping up. It, it, it like all of its motives to me seem very like under the table, kind of just like like take from it what you will. I'm not going to tell you exactly what's happening here, um, and it's not going to be that interesting. But here's the story. Well, I think I think it's super I think it's super localized to literally like a span of time, even where they feel they can conceptually operate from. Uh, well, so, just, yeah, I mean, right, like specifically, specifically in the the timeline of the otherhood, they have set rules for themselves. And this comes back to like, fuck shit up later. Right. They 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 can only go back exactly as far as the 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 night that cecil rhodes died i believe which is where his will was written in a specific way so as to bequeath the money in a in a in a specific way such that the founding of the organization was possible (laughs) um and i think they're not allowed to go they're only allowed to go forward i forgot the forward bound they're allowed they're only i think they're only allowed to go to the point of uh of last's existence right yeah 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 when the time travel was invented yeah exactly that's right to the uh foundational money which i think we're supposed to imagine is in the like 1980s or something yeah yeah 1986 yeah Yeah. 83 i don't know so so they're working in this bound and i actually think 82 the (laughs) 85 I think that the like the the it's supposed Another to almost one. be temporally parochial where they're like not allowed to even go outside of this span of time. And that's supposed to create the sense that like they might actually be more successful. Like I think Lathe of Heaven, it's like anything's possible, and that's part of the like enchantment of the power, but that's what fucks it up. Whereas in this book, it's like there's actually a pretty like they know how things are going and it's like set in a very specific span of like 50 years. And they're like, okay, we're overly familiar now. We really, we kind of know how everything's going to happen from like this point to this point. And like, so we're in control. So like, I feel like the sense of control comes from the limited time frame. They're like, we fucking know like how this is gonna happen. We'll send an agent back there. They'll wait at the, at the exact street corner at the exact time that this historical figure is gonna round it, and we'll punch him in the face and steal his money and make him not do this thing. And like, so yeah. it's almost like how fucking bored and familiar they are with like the time frame that they're operating in is still they're not in control at any point still. And it's that's yeah. supposed to be like kind of like the irony. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I understand that too, but it also makes all of the character most of the characters just incredibly like unimaginative when they're just thinking mm-hmm. in this very like closed closed realm, and they're only thinking like I have this power to to time travel, and I'm only going to go try to like save colonial Britain. But yeah, that's right <laughs> though. But that's like that's absolutely like the problem is so. It, 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 yeah. It's, uh, if that's the point, then I, I understand it as like a critique of general bu- bureaucracy, and like kind of dim-witted bureaucratic people that have like 
a very limited range of imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, that's pretty boring for a time travel story. Oh man, <laughs> Paul, no, not since <laughs> have we have we dissented so. <laughs> uh, dude, I don't know. I just I, I had I had trouble with this one. I was it just seemed like. Especially because this came, this was written like twenty years after Lathe of Heaven, or thirty years after, twenty years after Lathe of Heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just seemed like there, there was another another story out there that I mean, Lathe of Heaven wasn't about time travel, but in a way, it kind of was. There is a it, kind it of like time is a flat circle, hyper convoluted. I mean, time travel. I mean, there is there is the curse of the genre. Yeah, time travel always ends up becoming super convoluted, and it is easy to get bogged down in the quote-unquote logic of it. Like, I don't know. I, I think the last good time travel movie I saw was Primer, which I feel like. Oh, I, I, I wanted to. I wanted to bring up Primer because I thought it. I thought Primer did the mundane like uh, creation of the of the time machine, right? And the, and just like the general like first twenty minutes were like mundane and very scientific and i think like that tech bros was, in their garage tech bros yeah just <laughs> yeah. like guys from guys from office space basically that like <laughs> decided to make a time travel device uh, i don't know well i think that i felt like i mean obviously primer is a sort of like uh obvious like connection with the story and i think that this is different in the sense that i mean the the time travel mechanism is not described even in the detail that it's described in in primer like primer yeah. is a pretty uh like i feel like this is much more a story about um the people that have access to time travel technology rather than the time travel technology itself and primer is about that too obviously because yeah like the, yeah. um but i feel like this is even more so in that direction if that makes sense i mean the other parallels i i I have with Primer is when um, towards the end of the movie, he starts like the main character starts like seeing duplicates of himself. And I thought that in this story, when he starts, like he sees the old version of himself and he kind of like has spoiler, spoiler. (laughs) Winterset does. Yeah. Um, I liked all of that when I liked when the, when the madness kind of got out of control and he didn't even know what, like what place he had in the whole beer cag device anymore. And he's just kind of like wondering what is what the point of the whole thing was. I really liked all of that, and I liked that conversation with the, the older self a lot. Well, I, yeah, strange. I think that last couple chapters, or maybe it's only the last chapter. I forget exactly, but where we have this experience of this unnamed individual for most of it in this possible future that contains all of these. Uh, races and species and social groups that do not exist. There's like um, dragons. They're called, I think, draconids in the stories. Yeah. And there's magi, which is some sort of weird, undescribed humanoid species. Um, there's the hominids. Right. I think it, they're people, but it's hard right. to say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it and it and it sort of. Um, is the description of an expedition by one of the members of the Otherhood. And he sort of realizes, okay, 
someone has broken the rules here. Someone went outside of the bounds of um, our time travel, right? They either went back before Cecil Rhodes died or they went forward past when time travel was invented. Um, and that actually turns out to be false, right? But they just failed to account for the ways that small, seemingly insignificant changes. I forget the example that they give in the story, but they have a on staff at the Otherhood. They have a sort of mathematician yeah. whose, jo whose job it is to calculate. Like, if if we're doing Jeff Goldblum, Jurassic yes. Park style, he's the chaos mathematician. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ian Malcolm uh, <laughs> yeah. of the of the Otherhood, and he sort of says, "Here's the sorts of the the, the type of changes that might." spiral out and affect things and here are the ones that probably don't matter right but it turns out that in this future that this person who turns out to be uh dennis finds himself in things have sort of spiraled and sort of exponentially amplified themselves almost like a feedback loop right where it just gets louder and louder faster in a really short period of time because his argument is like this future that he finds himself in is basically london in like what like 20 2006 or something it's like it's like 20 or 30 years past where casper last discovers time travel right and he says you know how could the world have changed this much in such a in short such a short period of time outside of the realm of you know what we had calculated to be allowable time travel wise yeah and it it and it he gets a sort of lecture from this you know magi i don't know by yeah. the way we don't know who what we don't know what that is uh on and and basically these people have sort of in a weird way become like slaves to their their capricious changing of their reality yeah. and 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 they've like noticed it and been like this seems fucked up like our world is kind of broken the magi are are brilliant enough to have realized through year like thousands of years of med of contemplation that their entire reality is predicated on the decisions of the otherhood and they're bummed out. They're like, it's stodgy British fucking weirdos in a and, and oaken I, wooded paneled <laughs> room eating except, fucking like beef. But, <laughs> but, 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 but with lizard slaves. <laughs> well, no, they don't have lizard slaves. The otherhood doesn't have lizard slaves. Well, no, but the, the, the magi do. They have dra dragon lizard slaves. Yes, they do. Who they know are going to overthrow them later <laughs> for some right. reason. That's thrown in there. <laughs> but yeah, it's like all these evolutionary changes that would have taken millions and millions of years to have occurred took a place in the span of 30. And I think that, I think that Matt, this is where I think the resonance with the lathe of heaven is really interesting because it, in the lathe of heaven, you know, or has his dreams and then he wakes up and it's not just that he's changed the world, but the world has always been the way that he dreamt. Right. And it's the same thing here, right? So Winterset goes forward 10 years, and it's not that the world has changed over the course of those 10 years, but that the world has always been the way that it is 10 years in the future for a thousand years in the past, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I, it's like, I the, like it's the, it's another example of the Mandela effect. <laughs> kind of there's a little bit of that the magis or the mandela effect like uh you know maya or something but that's kind of you're kind of dead on like i think the magi have taken their experience of the mandela effect as an indication of some 
something greater and have been so fucking Mandela affected, but there it actually relates to destroyed potential realities that they were able to tease it back to again a bunch of British people in an oak paneled room eating uh, beef and drinking cocktails. Well, and so ultimately they say, right? Like the, they're like, fuck the magic. They're, 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 <laughs> the, they're eating pickled dick. Exactly. <laughs> pickled baby penises. <laughs> Foreskin rights. <laughs> so, but, but it, it comes down to the, then the magi kind of say like, well, one of you must've done something wrong. And it turns out spoilers that, Dennis, when he was originally brought into the Otherhood by this stranger that he met in Khartoum way back in his, I'm, you know, scare quotes, original reality, um, he was chosen because I just burped for anyone wondering why Matt's laughing. He was chosen. He was chosen because they wanted him to accomplish the time travel task of assassinating Cecil Rhodes at a specific time when his will was written in a specific way. Yes. And Dennis ultimately learns in the future that his past self was unable to do that, right? Like he, he met Cecil Rhodes and he was inserted at the correct time in the timeline. And he went to Cecil Rhodes's sort of compound in Africa Groot Sheer, sure. Groot, like yeah, Groot Sheer, some Dutch name or something. And he couldn't do it. He sort of had developed a sort of fondness for Cecil Rhodes and was any, unable to assassinate him. And he ultimately learns in this bizarre future timeline that his uh, inaction in the past timeline essentially screwed everything up, right? Is that your understanding? It's a very like intricate story. I don't know because that almost indicates that like the destruction of the otherhood is actually what the problem is. And I don't know if that's actually what I don't know. But I guess I guess the the other issue is that like time doesn't e- exist in this book in any linear sense like we're describing. It's like it's all kind of occurred and will keep occurring and there's no uh there's no way to avoid the existence of the otherhood now that they're out there. And uh, that even abstaining from the murder of Cecil Rhodes at this point doesn't it's, matter. It, it's very postmodern. It's very always already. Yes. Yeah. Or Rust Cole, you know? <laughs> yeah. I was, I was thinking Rust Cole would like this book for sure. Yeah. He'd be like, fuck. Yeah. Fuck. Damn. Give me some keystone. Well, he drinks. Uh, he doesn't drink. He he drinks Lone Star. Lone Star, yeah. You guys are freaking nerds. That's your favorite show. That's Don't your call favorite us nerds. show, and it you is love my Rust favorite Cole. show. It just shows how good my memory is. My memory is amazing. Memory, time. What is it? What is it even? <laughs> I, I like. I like that. Um, Dennis, Denise, whatever Winterset is. Uh, is also, you know, because. there's no like consensus but like the book itself and historically Cecil Rhodes has been uh, considered uh, a gay man and uh, oh I had no idea that's that's news yeah I didn't know yes he you know he he not that I care it's totally fine it's totally fine whatever but you know there's some like evidence that he was probably closeted homosexual person 
who uh, was, you know, a uh, perennial bachelor and, and and always, you know, sort of had had only was only close to his like male servants and stuff like this. But like, so the well, the that's thing, part that's part of the reason that Dennis is selected to go assassinate him, right? That's what I mean. Dennis is literally like a honeypot operation because he's like a hot and twenty three. And and exactly the physical specifications for what they know Cecil Rhodes is into sexually. So that's they don't tell him well, this because they're like, no, it's your special. You're like a cool agent, and we just value your uh, your abilities, and you're a very special boy, and we just need you to go do this. And they're literally getting him to go make Cecil Rhodes horny enough to invite him back to his place. They're literally shoot him. <laughs> they're literally Donald Trump last week. We love you. You're very special. You're so special. <laughs> <laughs> we just need you to go do this thing. Uh, yeah, that plot that plot talks. point went that plot point went totally over my head. I didn't even pick up on that. It's I it, I think it's pretty subtly rendered, but like I, I still think it comes through with like the you know this kind of attachment that Dennis has and like the pretty heavy handed uh, statement of like. And there were no female servants ever in Cecil mm. Rhodes's like boys, boys, boys house, you know, <laughs> compound of men who go hunting and are strong and sleep in beds together. <laughs> I just, I, 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 I felt like, you know, this could have been so, I almost wish that Crowley had extended this story into a, a, a longer form because I felt like, those scenes in the in the, the weird timeline with Cecil Rhodes and yeah. Dennis at Rhodes's compound in South Africa in Rhodesia with um, Greedo as his bodyguard. <laughs> I thought that um, that's a deep cut. That's a deep cut for all you spine crack heads. Yeah. Um, I thought that I I I I could. I, <laughs> Spine crack. <laughs> no, they're just crackers. Oh damn it! <laughs> the terrible, awful joke to make when we're talking about South African British <laughs> colonialism. <clears throat> uh, but sorry, I, I I could have read that for oh, two hundred pages, like just Dennis and Cecil Rhodes with their sort of strange romantic relationship at Rhodes's compound in South Africa. Like I thought that was the most sort of enticing section of the entire novella for me. Yeah, I think so too. Cause it's like, I mean, it might even be something that would make people mad potentially, but like Rhodes is pretty um, sympathetically, not sympathetically drawn, but like, you know, he he's got, you're muted Gabe. Uh, I was just agreeing. I think Rhodes is, in a in a in a in a roundabout way, sort of sympathetically drawn, yeah. Yeah, he's just given his full like, he's given like a very like full human breath and allowed sympathy. Like I think intentionally so because you're supposed to understand why Dennis would maybe, you know, uh, find not, some admiration. Why he would not kill him? Why he would not shoot him in the back of the head? Uh, and I also think it's funny because like the reason he needs to be killed is that they know were he to be allowed to live, he would not give a sh as much of a shit about the British Empire and become cynical about it and not not leave a uh, 
a sum of money for anybody in his will because he's like i actually don't give a shit about all that anymore and so they're like so you have to shoot him right before he changes his mind <laughs> and like See, it's just th- yeah yeah um, exa- yeah exactly which i think like i, I don't know i, I just that's like funny that's, yeah it's funny and it's very um i don't know i just felt like it was a smart use of the time travel device because that's and, and it's a sort of wraparound because that's sort of what Casper Last was doing in inventing time travel originally. Like he knew his grandfather was going to keep all of his papers in the attic of his home. And so he mails him this weird, obscure <laughs> stamp, right? Um, yeah, I don't, that that section of the book, I actually, this is going to sound like I've read Jocko Willing's book, but I, I haven't. I, <laughs> I, I found- Wait, what I book? Was, Jocko Willink. What is he? Uh, I don't even know what that is. Jocko Willink is like a military guy that's friends with Joel Rogan. Um, but he wrote a book about like leadership. And I was going to say that like the 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 other hood clearly should have known that he wasn't going to kill him. Like I, I knew it from like the very start of the meeting. I was like, he's not going to kill him. They're picking the wrong guy. They're supposed to be like a really good like uh secret society and i was like there's no believability here for me at all i was like he's you can clearly see from this meeting he doesn't want to do it he's just like a guy and you're you're like you're you're putting all this weight on his shoulders to like keep the timeline going and he's he's the guy that's supposed to kill him like you should probably see that he's not going to so i i found it like really unbelievable or just like a fa- like a failure of leadership as dr willink would say i i actually think that's a i actually think that's a good point paul uh and and i kind of agree because the whole the whole lead up to dennis agreeing to go back in time to assassinate um Rhodes is is basically dennis coming to terms with the fact that this has already happened and that he's playing a rigged game and that there's there's you know, they are selecting me because they know I'm going to do it no matter what I think or say in the interim. And I think you're right that there's no real good explanation as to what accounts for Dennis's deviation from that already established past when he decides not to assassinate Cecil Rhodes. Like, it, it it's just sort of like this... Um, deus ex machina like free will intervening in a way that has never been previously established in the story um yeah and so i think that that's a i i agree that that was a um, a weakness maybe i don't know matt did you was that something that bothered you or or, or do you think we're missing something or no i it it didn't really bug me i just uh there was a point as well where i was like uh, a little bit too spun around by the convolutions and what what the implications of like reality shifting were at every moment and like the you know uh exponential effects the kind of like fucking butterfly chaos effects it was having on on everything uh to and and you know and maybe this is just a weakness innately but just to know what a plot hole would be <laughs> in terms i'm not of saying something. it's a i'm not saying it's a plot hole i mean hauler to try <laughs> to kind of go back on what I said, it's like it might be because they are such a task to task system of people 
And in their minds, he already did it. So no matter what they say to him, he's going to do it. So maybe maybe that makes sense of it a little bit more. At least it's, for me, it does. Well, it 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 just it it reminded me of and um you know if any of you guys really want to avoid spoilers, take your headphones off or whatever. But I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm going to do it for the content. Uh, but it reminded me of of devs the recent show where. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 conceit of the show is essentially that like nick offerman's character has found a way to like predict down to a you know subatomic particle all human behavior right and he has a sort of mapped out plan for a specific employee and whatever whatever and in the last episode for no discernible reason that is never explained she deviates from his plan and it's just sort of this like yay free will moment (laughs) <laughs> but it's not it's not ever justified in a satisfying way and i had that same sort of vibe with this conclusion although Sam harris would have been like uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah true what yeah this if anybody is from the intellectual dark web is listening come on the podcast they if, any, if anyone from the intellectual dark web is listening stop listening yeah, <laughs> yeah just kidding don't stop. just kidding don't just kidding yeah. so we can get but stop producing uh, Jordan Peterson, come on the podcast. <laughs> we'll talk about your favorite book, the one you read. We, we have Benzos. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, a fucking, oh God. a fucking, like, yacked out Jordan Peterson t- would be so gold to have talk about anything. <laughs> Just he's, yeah. like, falling over. Uh, I, I, do, I do think that, like... Um, Bring your daughter, too. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Sex Michaela. addict Yoda, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Michaela, you bring. Uh, <laughs> Blonde she is. Uh, I think kiss Abby Shapiro. She will. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, here we go. Oh boy. Let's keep Why going. Do they all have an alternate sister daughter or whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they all do. Why is why is that? I think th- he, Dennis is not the only person who is convinced via uh, the fact of, or the the questionable fact of having already technically done something, convincing them to do the thing. That happened. That's a device that happens like I think maybe several times in the book. Um, and I, okay, so I think Dennis Winter said is also the president pro tem. Uh, like whatever the that's Latin, right? Pro tempora. Yep, it just means you're occupying the office for a a time. Yeah. Uh, he kind of does break their rules by going into the future, which I think precipitates the quote unquote free will deviation. In but a way. when but when we meet him, he when we meet him as President Pro Tem. He is not even aware that his past self had gone into the future, right? Right. Like he's he's in the future searching for who broke the rules going into the future. And it's him. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's him. But like, I don't know if the the I, I don't think you get there's no full explanation of orthogonal logic that's going to be clarifying on that point. But it is, I do think it's still a little bit more um gray and inconclusive in terms of the question of free will yeah i think that's right i mean 
it's uh, I don't know. I feel like I do feel like the discussion with young Dennis before he becomes president pro tem, which right. is a, a a process that we never see. It is discussed in a way that I mean I found satisfying, which is that like he's going through these motions in his head, like I don't want to do this. I I have no interest in going back in time and assassinating Cecil Rhodes. And by the way, I think we should talk about or at least mention that they have this fucking awesome ass clubhouse that is <laughs> outside of space and time and has a bar that for some <laughs> reason that for some reason you still have to pay the bartender for. <laughs> And they're not barbarians <laughs> right okay fair enough uh and i want to go there and i want to go to this uh outside of space and time clubhouse well uh, and they even describe it as not necessarily hovering outside of time but sort of their description is it's like the north po- or the north pole like you're in time but everything you look down upon is south quote unquote. yes I, I actually thought that was a really brilliant way to describe like time travel right like right you're at the north pole and anywhere you look is is down from you yes and that's that is sort of describing their positionality in time yeah you found some sort of like physical van ultimate vantage point within the temporal realm it's it's very strange yeah um and now i've lost my train of thought but i the clubhouse they're cool clubhouse. <laughs> yeah cool, cool clubhouse. clubhouse yeah i didn't want to what is it fucking called that y- y'all read david mitchell <laughs> no cloud atlas dude no, I, I never did is uh he wrote something called good? oh it's called the bone clocks which i read and i've completely almost forgotten but biting on some of this uh, conceit where like these weird monks uh, exist like outside of time and space like and they're fighting throughout history this war for like two different uh, you're talking about I- dr strange marvel cinematic universe <laughs> yeah i mean like it is the same shit dude like it, it's like it's like imagine if like fucking uh professor x and magneto <laughs> were bringing their two kind of like diametrically opposed fucking ideologies and we're fighting over time and space about them yeah i would have uh, preferred that i would have preferred that for sure yeah of course you would <laughs> I, mean, I, I will say just from a uh just from a writing perspective it this story um really reminded me of one of my favorite sci-fi writers which is william sloan and mm. matt we talked about this a little bit Oh yeah, but William Sloan wrote a couple of, and this is going back to the I know it when I see it distinction. I would call both of those stories novels, but short novels. I mean, um, right? Novellas, know, maybe long novellas, short novels, <laughs> novelitas, <laughs> yeah, something like that. Not short stories, uh, definitely not short stories, and. I think that so there it, it, it's called to walk the night and the edge of running water are, are William Sloan's two novels. And I feel like he captures a, or I guess I should reverse that Crowley captures a very similar um, 
vibe to what Sloan does, which is I've heard people talk about it as cosmic horror, but I feel like that has like uh, Lovecraft Lovecraft vibes, which I don't think is exactly what Sloan is doing or what Crowley is doing. But it's just this sense that like the universe and reality kind of like falls away under your feet and is like so much bigger than you could ever conceptualize it being. Right. And I feel like this story captured that vibe uh, in a way that I have not encountered since reading Sloan for the first time. And I, I, I thought that was, um, I really appreciated it. I just think Crowley as a writer, I, I yeah, just I, I'm bad at kind of like discussing the more technical aspects of like prose writing, but I think, I think I liked it. I think he had very elegant ways of describing super complex things, which is good for a fantasy writer. Uh, can I read something? Please. Yes. This is a, I think no. this, is, this is kind of, <laughs> I, I think this is, <laughs> oh. this is like a description of the kind of infinite regress that these otherhood folks kind of find themselves in re making sure that the, the, the past quote unquote creates the perfect future. So he's talking to Jeffrey Davenant, who's like the main representative of the otherhood who interacts with Dennis and, you know, he's, his name's Geoffrey Davenant. He's like the most British man. Uh, so, uh, Dennis is kind of like asking him about. Um, Did you say the Revenant, Leonardo DiCaprio? <laughs> no, that movie sucks. Uh, that movie's good. Oh, okay. Well, hold on. Different, different <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so, so Dennis is just asking, like, so, you know, your basic because this is kind of earlier on. This is at in uh, fourteen, at least on the page fourteen on the PDF. But like, he's asking the questions you'll ask is like what the fuck are the results of this? What are you talking about? <laughs> like, you're a crazy old man. And he says, uh, no doubt whatever result it did have would have to be reshaped as well. And the results of that reshaping reshaped Two, the whole thing subtly guided all along its way toward the result desired. After all, if we can imagine how we might want to alter the past, we do inherit. So we can imagine that any past might well be liable to the same imagining. That stupidities, blunders, short-sightedness would occur in a past we might initiate. Oh, yes. It would all have to be reshaped with each reshaping. And then he just says, so Denny says, laughing, the possibilities are endless. And like, yeah, it's kind of the critique of it in general. Well, I also think that's a good summary of like why. <laughs> and maybe I'm maybe I'm going like a level too deep here but i think that this is an interesting sort of critique of like why time travel fiction is really impossible because there's no there's no accounting for the sort of asymptotic like absurd spiraling of effects like we just uh, like certainly human brains cannot account for that and it it may be unaccountable for in, in 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 general like there's I hate to appeal to the butterfly hurricane chaos theory, you know, Ian Malcolm bullshit. But when you're talking about like things that affect time and, and, and the future, I don't know. It might have sort of greater purchase. 
and also just that even more convolutedly there might not really be a difference <laughs> like well and that's one of the things that begins the story right which is that casper last says i don't even believe in time like this is all ridiculous and that's i think yeah. in- interestingly not not explicitly revisited yes it's like it's a throwaway i also think it's interesting that the otherhood intercepts him in his past visit and just uses some bare bones bullshit lie switch him up to get him off course i I really basically elon musk asks offers him like 50 bucks for his time travel technology yeah yeah (laughs) and shows him that his like stamp won't be valued at a certain at like anywhere close to what he thinks it is and he's like, oh, shit. But they just made a fake book to right. show him. Right. <laughs> and it's just like the most basic grift. And they're just talking about how, like, you can be so brilliant that you can't even see, like, almost an idiotic grift happening in front of your face. I'm just like, oh, we are also capable of lying, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, Gabe said that he thinks that, like, writing a a fiction novel about time travel is generally impossible. I don't know if I agree with that, but I I will say that it kind of makes me think, like, why why get into the... This is more of a general critique of the book. I, I'm going to go back to that. Is like, why get into anything political or philosophical when... Uh, what am I trying to say? Like if if the general notion of your point of making a time travel book is, I I'm, I'm losing my train of thought. I'm I'm basically trying to say like why 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 did why even make it? Are you are you trying to are you trying to ask if you have, why did he make this book? <laughs> if you have a critique of of the of reality, why do it through a genre that maybe is in inherently nonsensical or pointless to write like yes does that invalidate does that invalidate your critique of of actual things that we as human beings can conceive of that like deserve a criticism in general is that the question that is exactly what i was trying to say okay uh i don't i don't know i don't know if like i can answer that but mostly i think that like crowley is at least saving himself by, I think, acknowledging that it's like a pointless endeavor to to try and alter the world by these means. That this con- but, concept as a, for a genre is like just leads to a, a kind of infinite regress, toilet fucking drain spiral into smaller and smaller increments of time to the point where it's like. And you know, yeah, I. Well, I don't mind that point. Like, have you guys seen the show Dark on Netflix? It's really good. It's a German show and it's about time travel. It's oh, about watched... oh, is that the one about the there's like a mine or something? Yeah, a tunnel. Yeah, I yeah, saw yeah. like the first yeah, season of that. I saw the first episode or two. I watched I've watched all three seasons now and it's really frustrating because it's it's like the type of time travel show that like there is no free will. Like Sam Harris would love it. It's like you can't actually change anything that's happening. Everything that's set forward, spoilers, in is not. I mean, it's there's gonna there's gonna be more. So maybe eventually they will be able to break the cycle. 
But with this book, the cycle was broken by Dennis by not killing uh, what's his face Rhodes. Yeah, like he broke. But the there's cycle. no explanation though. That's fr- a little bit frustrating for me. Well, yeah, that's why it is frustrating for me too. Is like if, if the point of talking about time travel in this way is that like there is no breaking of the cycle. There, there, there is no free will. It's only just realities, like overlapping other realities then that point alone that he didn't kill him kind of evaporates that for me. Because in dark, in dark, it's like every time you think it's going to happen, it just does it. And it's really frustrating, but it's also really kind of a refreshing way to depict time travel because most movies they have, they have a moment where they're like, Oh, I'm going to actually like break through and change the past in a, big way and i'm making a choice that people thought i was going to make but i'm not making it but it's like every choice anyone makes is already like mapped out and i I just feel like this because of that one moment it kind of does away with the point of like the whole the whole short story in a way because like he did he did have free will in that moment and he didn't kill him. Or or did he? Well, I, that's the issue, right? Is that if he does, where does it come from? Like, if he does suddenly gain free will in that moment, by what mechanism does that work? Because the last few pages before that happens, we've been interacting with a group of people who think they've figured it all out right and they've been jumping around in time for i mean you know years at least right decades and suddenly he upends that and just decides i'm not going to do that i just felt it was a little bit incongruous with the description of how finally they've been able to tune what they do and why they selected him in the first place and his own sort of psychological process of resignation and being like, oh, well, I want to resist. I don't want to do this, but I just am because they already know what's going to happen and I'm going to do it. So I, I, I did think there was a little bit of like a tonal, like incongruity there. Well, I think, first of all, they picked him to be because he's hot. I know. No, I know that, but I'm no, saying no, no, like, no, no. Well, <laughs> let me let me elaborate. So like. They picked him because he's hot. Also, he's already proven to be sort of, he's young. He's a young man. He's like 23. He's proven to be kind of like susceptible to, I don't know, like uh, being in awe of great men. And so I feel like you just have maybe two instances of that happening that just kind of contradict each other where like initially he's like, wow, Jeffrey Davenant, what a dashing guy who seems to know it all. And like, I'm in this, this cool clubhouse and everyone's talking about shifting time. And he's like, and then he just meets another kind of person he regards as a great figure and is, is swayed by that person instead. Yeah, no, I'm not saying there. I I actually think that's right. Like there's, there are character reasons to understand why Dennis kind of falls for roads, but in the, in the metaphysics of the story, (laughs) there's no, explanation as to why he can overcome 
his predetermined time travel path. Yeah, like I, I almost feel like if if the rules set up in the story were like followed through, then he would have killed him by accident or something. Like he he would maybe his motives would change and he would realize what he's doing, but somehow he would still die. And to me, that would like make more sense with the with the uh because the whole the discourse the whole discourse with with the rest of the other hood and Dennis is like we picked you because you have you have to do it. We know he's gonna sort of have an attraction to you. We know he's gonna let you get close to him. We know you're gonna have the opportunity to do it, and we've seen it happen. You just are going to do it. And that's why he agrees to do it in the first place, is because he just sort of gives in to that uh narrative. But, but that's then, a narrative but, created by but, the but, Otherhood. But, well, I know, but then he does, I know. Well, but we don't know why they're fallible though. Because they're also they because they get high on their own supply. I don't know. I don't think it's like at quite as outside. I, I agree with you that it bothered me too, but like I like, you know, the Otherhood is prone to just you know getting high on their own farts as well. And that's like their problem. Like they 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 don't have a, a harness on this shit either. And they don't have control in the way they think they do. And so some sort of like, and also I, I think by the very creation of this kind of like time travel and its effects around this like one fucking closed loop of time that they're in is like, it's just, it's unclear to me what those effects really are. And I think that's made a little clear in the book, in the story. I think you're also describing why I wanted this to be longer. Like I wanted, yeah. I, I I would yeah. have loved an extra, you know, 60 pages of Dennis in Rhodesia. And I would have loved an extra 60 pages of Dennis going back and forth and like traveling to the club multiple times and kind of like learning a little bit more about what they do and why they do it and how they do it. Like, I think that, all of these things that we're talking about could have plausibly been filled out in really satisfying ways. And I just, I wanted more, I guess. Yeah. There was a I bit mean, what too. I said, what thought about lathe of heaven, just a bit, not crazy amount of more pages, but just like a little fleshed out. There was times when I was like, that would be nice. Yeah. Same. Yeah. And I know I'm being hard on the book, but I didn't actually hate it. I, I actually agree that like, having more would actually be more fulfilling because things could be more flushed out moments could be expanded upon. And I would have probably gotten more out of it. If it was, it, it felt a little bit rushed to me. Like he was, he was working in like a, a, a page count almost that he had to like account, like be within the bounds of this page count or something. I don't know. Cause it, it felt like a story that definitely could have been longer. There's a there's a little I don't know if this is like helpful this wasn't like clarifying necessarily but like there's another little chunk on 72 that I thought was pretty good that I'll read. Um it just says no matter that orthogonal logic refutes it I cannot help I cannot help believing that my present succeeds in time the other presents and futures that have gone into making it. I believe that as I grow older I come to incorporate the experiences I have had as an older man in pasts and futures now obsolete. 
as though in absolute time, I continually catch up with myself in the imaginary times that fluoresce from it, gathering dreamlike memories of the lives I have lived therein. Somewhere God, I have come to believe in God, there was simply no existing otherwise, interesting, uh, is keeping these universes in a row and sees to it that they happen in succession, the most recently generated one last, and so felt to be last, no matter where along of it I stand. I don't know, like, that felt like a bit of an attempt to describe both, like, the, you know, the, the experience, the, like, how it feels to to have gone down the rabbit hole of being one of these weird fucking time travel people. And, uh, and also like describing like the shortcomings of humans, the human ability to like comprehend it by maybe, maybe it's a cop out throwing in God as like the hail Mary of like, I don't know. There's another thing. I, I, I mean, I didn't read it. I didn't see it that way. I don't think there was like a, Hail, Hail Mary, do sex not. I thought that was a beautiful passage, though, for sure. Yeah. And in, and at the end, you get Earthsea, basically. This is the sea. Jason there. Momoa. <laughs> yeah, Jason Momoa's <laughs> swimming around, rippling muscles, swimming around. I mean, one of my favorite sections from the book was, was sort of early on, and this was maybe a... Uh, I was in an overly political mindset, potentially, then, but he was talking about sort of like... <laughs> oh, really, Gabe? Never. Never. <laughs> uh, not something I do often or ever. But he was talking about the difference between the British and the American empires. And I thought this was a really sort of interesting point. And he says, if one thought how odd it was, and if one thought then of what should have been natural empires, enormous spreads of restless real property, like America mm -hmm. or Russia turning in on themselves, making themselves into what seemed to Dennis, who had never seen them, to be very small places, mm. that it did seem to be destiny of a kind. Not a destiny to be proud of, particularly, nor ashamed of either, but one whose compelling inner logic could only be marveled at. And I thought, like, just thinking about America as this enormous place that we have all kind of, like, fucked up to make very small mm. I, I i just thought it was very compelling or that you know the, the self-regard turns into a kind of naval like a navel gazing nationally uh that's why this story in particular is so parochial like i said at the beginning like because i was thinking about orthogonal logic right it's like uh the an alternate timeline branches off like the main one at a right angle and they just keep doing that. So you get a spiral, right? Like if you if you just keep doing that repeatedly. So it's like kind of like rowing a boat with one oar. You just go in a circle. And like I was just thinking about that is kind of what was happening to these people. Which is why you just keep drilling down temporally. You're muted, Paul. Uh, and the reverberations keep having an even more intense reaction to the future. You know what I mean? Like... A little too heady for me. I'm not. I. I. I'm an English major, so I don't get it. But like, you, yeah, yeah, you dr you drill down in a spiral that goes even more and more locally. That's and not a. That's not a good thing to say when you're analyzing a book. I'm sorry. English major. And a little bit of old. Yeah. Shitty self. self I thought you were a communications major. Am I wrong? 
double major. Ooh, <laughs> king Ooh, shit, king double. shit. Yeah. Fucking double up. Give it to all to me. Double, double those credits up. Go to grad school. But just so the more local temporally that they're operating within, the more like crazy the shit that's happening in the future ends up being. There's like an inverse relationship or something there, which is kind of which I don't know, also I, happens in Lead of Heaven. Uh. Kind of. <laughs> it's just different. What would you guys it's give different. this book on sci-fi elements? <laughs> Dude. It was, it was soft sci-fi. <laughs> everything was so everything was so soft. We gotta get Daniel Green uh at Daniel Green on Twitter at Daniel Green YouTube to adjudicate how sci-fi this book is. Is that his uh his shit? Yeah, I'm just joking. <laughs> but yeah. I- I, I did before we break away from the the tangent of the of the assassination. I want to go back to it for one second. If that's okay. Um, I think Matt was Matt. You were talking about the the otherhood. You know, they're not totally in control of time. They think they are. So even if even if they predict that Dennis is going to kill him, they don't absolutely know. And I also, I also think, like, if if no one actually knows how time travel is affected and how people are going to react to whatever given circumstance, even if he's killed him a bunch of times, I forget if he, or was it just the one time, or he had had he gone and killed him a bunch of times? I, can't remember. I think it's multiple. That yeah, that, was, if, that, even, that was the whole thing. Like he had already yeah. done this. Yeah. So even even though the Otherhood believes that he's going to do it again. Like, I think possibly because no human can understand the effects of time travel, that means that there is a moment where he could not do it. And it doesn't, like, it doesn't take away from the overarching effects of time travel. And it all seems to end no matter what in that kind of forest in the ocean imagery it's sort of like it's sort of like neo neo's the anomaly go on but neo is programmed into the matrix dude well think of the matrix like a time traveler what are you saying (laughs) (laughs) no 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 no. wait 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 i actually literally wrote uh something about the matrix (laughs) but okay never mind but but in a slightly different context it was it was when um the unnamed time traveler who we later find out is uh winterset dennis uh is hanging out with the magus in his sort of hall uh i think it's on 30 in the uh pdf that we have matt mm-hmm. where the the maid the the mage starts talking to him about like we've we've discovered a sort of like flaw in the world and we've uh, come to the conclusion that it's like something outside of our control. Like it's one of your fault. Um, yeah. So uh, this is like right on the bottom. For centuries we've studied. I was going to start a little bit below that, but yeah, like 
Um, last new, the major said, all false, all imaginary, all generated by the wishes and fears of others. All that I am, my head, my heart, my house, not the world's doing or times, but yours. The opacity of his eyes turned to the president pro tem was fearful, was fearful. You have made me, you must unmake me. <laughs> and I literally wrote on that line, I was like, the matrix, like this is basically like the matrix. It's a world <laughs> that people are living and, and doing, you know, the normal sort of marginalia of day-to-day life but it's created by something outside of their control and they come to realize that right and they even describe uh the otherhood as like fucking uh what's that gnostic uh creature the the god that's not quite god but like a, a lesser god who creates a flawed world like god damn why can't i remember what that that deity is called but it's like that's what do you know Tiger King. Gandalf. It has a tiger face. It has like a lion face. Fuck. Why can't I remember? Whatever. It's a. Uh, yeah. And it's like the, the whole point is uh, uh, that the realization of this, this, this kind of lesser creature having created your reality is like deeply disturbing. And you're like, oh, this is disappointing as fuck. Like it's this thing made the world. Like I hate this. I'm gonna rat. I'm gonna rail against this, and I feel like that's what the Magi are like. They're like, I'd actually rather be dead, uh, in a sense, than live with the knowledge that your ass, uh, created all of known reality, which is also shitty because I think it's supposed to be indicating that it's like, at this point, just out of whack and fluctuating all the time, uh, so that it's like almost physically uncomfortable for certain beings in the future to live in. Yeah, the Magi are basically in Zion. Yeah, the Magi says, I long to die. That's how that chapter ends. That was a Matrix <laughs> reference. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean Matt, to, to defend myself, when you said that Neo is written into the Matrix, I mean, the movies depict the one Neo that breaks away from the pattern. So that's kind of my point. That's true. Even it's if- been a minute since <laughs> I've watched uh, uh, Revolution or whatever the other one was. What's the final one? I think it's Revolutions. Right. He talks to the cloud of nanobots. It's a face. I literally What's have only set? seen the first movie and I only saw it once. Really? Yeah. Wow. wow. Cool Movie's Gabe. Not, not Gabe's thing. I only watched like cool, obscure, good things. <laughs> oh, shout out to anyone who's listening now for being hipster and cool and, and listening to a kind of like niche, obscure thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's just you guys. Why don't you all just, give yourself a pat on the back? Pat on the, everyone, right everyone. Back. Yeah, good for you. Pat away. Let's name other niche obscure things. Uh, the Matrix Two, yeah. <laughs> Sonic Battle Speedrun World Records. <laughs> nice. Damn, Sonic Battle. That's not a great game. All right, let's talk about. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, let's do it. And you guessed it, folks. It's we already just did read another book. So relax. We're going to sort them into hats. We done just did read another book. We already did. So you can't come at us with that. All right. So let's talk about Casper last. What house would he be sorted into? I think he's kind of like Hermione because he has, he's basically, he has a time turn. 
He is a time turner, which Hermione had. In, uh, okay, that's book. a fair point. Matt's that's laughing a, for no, no I just, reason. I just, I'm still, the bit still makes me laugh. Like, just the bit itself <laughs> still makes me laugh. I'm just like. I actually think he's a straight Ravenclaw. Straight up. I kind of think so, too, especially because he yeah. instantly wanted to destroy his own discovery. Yeah. Yeah. That's the big, that's the big thing. Again, that's like just casually said and is like, I think huge. He's like, you know, I already like figured out how to do it. Like problem solved. I don't need this like accoutrement that goes with it. I don't need all this bric-a-brac. I'm just going to throw in the trash. Yeah. Fucking Ravenclaw. (laughs) Just like Doc from Back to the Future. He wants to destroy it too. And he's, I mean, same, same type of character. Did Doc want to get rid of the DeLorean? He wanted to destroy it, I think, by the end of the movie. Or maybe the end of uh, the second movie. Yeah, there were he three. Raven- so. He was a Ravenclaw. <laughs> we're not <So>. talking about <laughs> So we're all pretty much like, that's a straight across the board Ravenclaw for for Casper. Yeah, Casper's a Ravenclaw. Yeah. Dennis. Dennis Winterset. Uh Gryffindor. Yeah, soft Gryffindor. Soft Gryffindor. Like yeah. yeah. Dude, fuck yeah though. That's right. Like well, because he yeah. broke he broke the rules of free will. He did. <laughs> because yeah. of his yeah. own his own sort of courage. Right. He yeah. would have he would have just been Hufflepuff. Right. Were he loyal and just doing the bidding, but he 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 has to do the time breaking move and that's that's gryffindor as hell okay so we all agree gryffindor what about the the number one rhodesian greedo cecil (laughs) cecil oh i was joking oh okay wow that was a wrap that was a wraparound joke for all you uh spinecrack heads for our first episode dude i get it i got it It just took me a second you don't have to say you got it man i'm talking to the listeners oh all you crackers out there <laughs> oh god it? do do we really have to call our fans crackers we probably should <laughs> i thought i thought we decided on calling them the reading rainbows <laughs> all right listen crackers greedo yeah. is a rhodesian <laughs> can i be uncle cracker greedo the rhodesian shot first yes be uncle cracker. i'll be nephew cracker all right, who else do we need to put in the house? <laughs> okay, wow. Uh, nephew Cracker. Jeffrey uh, Davenant? Yeah, Davenant. Uh... Gosh. Maybe Gryffindor, too? Why? I think there's not enough. There's not, like, enough about him. He feels like Cedric Diggory to me. <laughs> well, he's a Hufflepuff. <laughs> oh, is he really? Shit. Oh my maybe Dav- god! Maybe I everyone who I always forget everyone who's a fucking uh so super loyal to the concept of the British Empire. Maybe that's Hufflepuff. They're like everything because for it, my Bay British Empire. That's true. That's a good point. They're so loyal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. He's a Hufflepuff. He's a Hufflepuff. <laughs> Cecil yeah, Hufflepuff. Rhodes. What about Cecil Rhodes himself? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now keep in mind if we say something good. We will be racist. <laughs> <laughs> and so is every Rhodes Scholar, though. <laughs> because they accept his blood money. Yeah, that's right. You heard I me. think he's a Gryffindor. I, I would say Gryffindor, <laughs> soft Gryffindor. 
bad Gryffindor. The scene, the scene where um, uh, he was uh, shit. Dennis was gonna was about to assassinate Cecil Rhodes on the sort of veranda, looking out over the lawn where the lion was there. Mm. It reminded me of the assassination scene from the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. One of my favorite, one of of my absolute favorite movies, by the way, go watch it. It is the best unknown Western ever made. It's better than some of the originals. It's, it's better than some of the Leone movies. It's, it's fucking incredible. It's Brad. It's also best role best performance best performance ever casey affleck was absolutely robbed from supporting affleck uh supporting (laughs) actor supporting (laughs) affleck how dare you supporting affleck Affleck. he's been trying his whole career to avoid that that was that was the biggest freudian slip on any podcast ever (laughs) supporting affleck (laughs) oh god casey i'm sorry Casey, Casey. Come, come on the podcast, bro. Casey, come on the pod. You, that role was you're better king, than you're anything your brother has ever done. No fucking question. <laughs> oh, no question. Better than Batman. Better than Batman. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, th- that, that scene where Dennis decides to not kill Cecil Rhodes, it just reminded me of a, of a very, it, it was almost like a riff on the scene where Robert Ford assassinates Jesse James in that movie. And I, like, I just, I could hear the music. It was such a vibe. Um, I loved it. That's not, that's not a spoiler either because history. Facts. Right. Yeah. Whereas this ostensibly about history, but it would be a spoiler because it's false history. Time travel yeah. history. I also like the, the idea of like him feeling uh, time fully envelop him and remove the out which was just kind of cool as an idea. Like, ooh, it's like a freaking, you being shrink-wrapped into time, you know? Yeah, oh, totally. That must be cozy in kind of like a, a um, Temple Grandin kind of way. But it almost, <laughs> yeah. But it like felt like... a little thunder shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I literally have two of those for my dogs. Yeah, you gotta have them. They don't work. They work for, <laughs> oh, they work for my dog. It's okay, though. Who else but needs yeah, to go? But... Who else needs to go in a house? How about old Dennis? <laughs> <laughs> Punish Dennis. Punish Dennis. <laughs> Gryffindor. Easy Gryffindor. Yeah, yeah, Gryffindor. He gets it. He just gets it. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically it, right? I think that's yeah. it. I think that's the major players. Yeah. There were some there were some uh ambiguity with like who was the president pro tem the whole time but it I was think Dennis. It was, was it Dennis. the whole time? Yeah, the whole it's, time. it's it was always Dennis. Okay, okay. it was always Dennis. Okay. He's kind of like the alpha and omega of the otherhood itself. So like, It's like the, the it's like the guy from uh um I forget the story, the Soul of Wood story from a couple weeks ago. He's like I'm the one at the window always. It's always Dennis. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, that was yeah, God. He, why can't I remember the fucking name? I think it's literally just called The Window is the name of the story. No, the freaking Gnostic false god. I don't know what you're on about. Gandalf. It's got to be Gandalf. 
give Elrond. Uh, give me, just give me half two seconds. Just All right, Paul. Me. Let's name some more uh, Lord of the Rings characters while Matt looks up this obscure reference he's trying to think about. It's not obscure. Right, that uh, Galad- Galadriel. All right, uh, Balrog. Okay, uh, Tom Bombadil. <laughs> oh, good one. Frodo Baggins. Bilbo Baggins. Gal- Did you say Galadriel already? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, Sauron, <laughs> Saruman. Oh my God, Gandalf the Gandalf the White, the Demi, Gandalf the Gray, <laughs> the Urukai. Uh, <laughs> no, it's called Sam the Dem the fu- the Demiurge. That's the not Demiurge. a character that's unique to a literary universe. That's a concept. But it, I thought it was Gnostic in origin. Yeah. That's all I was getting at. Right. Don't be well, don't be mad at me. Why are you mad at me? This podcast <laughs> is over and canceled. I hate it. Matt is kicked off. Come, guys. All right. I'll on. see you. I'll, we'll we'll see you next week when it's just me and Paul. Just yep. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna read the Hobbit. <laughs> this is this is a coup, just like the one we almost had. Whoa, I- topical, <laughs> topical. <laughs> Too soon. All right, let's do some scores on this uh, novella, boys. Okay, Matt, you go. I go last, last don't right? I? Right, Paul. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go with a. Uh... <laughs> two point four. I mean, if two point five is average, I would. It's one knock below average, so I, that's not that terrible. It's a uh, it's a three point eight four for me. For, for me. me. <laughs> for me. For me. For me. God damn it, Jinx! Oh man, that was real time. No, I mean, People are gonna think I mean, that was edited. Nah, it wasn't. <laughs> Believe us, okay. please. Before you before you go, haters Matt, will say it's photoshopped. <laughs> My low score is because I I like a good solid hard sci-fi story and this was so this was so soft and if i'm if i'm gonna if i'm gonna read a time travel book i want freaking i want more i know paul you need your throbbing to mess in sci-fi this is a shout out to i want to shout out the movie time crimes which is a spanish movie that is awesome it made me want to watch time crimes i'm gonna watch it tonight much better eight out of ten or (laughs) ten or ten out of ten the sorbet of time travel movies you can just clear that palette yeah, just don't be soft with me. If you're gonna do time travel, be hot. like stick it up my rectum. That time machine, you know. Good lord. <laughs> On that note, my my score is a uh, is is a three point seven. All right. Yeah. Why? Am I, I'm always the one who gives the highest scores. Am I just soft? <laughs> If you want your book to get a good sympathetic review, send it to us and I'll, I will review it positively. Almost certain, certainly. I'm pro- I might I just be taking the, the scoring system way too seriously where I'm like, it, it has to be so sick if it's like a four. We're, and it- we're, we're also not dummies. Like we're not going to pick bad books. Like none of us is ever going to pick a garbage book. You know what I mean? Like if we were literally... I think our scores would be more sort of like distributed toward the mean if we just grabbed random crap off the shelf. Right. But we're not going to do yeah, that I mean, because we're not dummies. 
yeah, I mean, this is scaled for my own personal enjoyment. And I, uh, yeah, if, if we, if we cycled in some like dull duds, it would be a much different scoring system, but I'm just saying like, I'm never going to read this book again, ever. I'm going to forget about it one day. So it's 2.4. And I'm, I'm just, I'm pretty close to you. I'm just picking a 3.7. None of that makes sense. I still pick 3.84. Right. Okay. 3.76. That's not close to what Paul said. What do you mean close? You, to you said you were so close to Paul, but you're literally an entire. I said no. I said to you. Oh, uh, heard, heard, heard. So uh, that's not yeah. like we're not actually that far off in our regard of it. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. Come again. <laughs> Ooh. I didn't say it in the accent. I just said the phrase. You kind of did. You were you were t- trailing. I would say we we cracked that open like a coconut. Like a, yeah, we did. All right, I, Gabe is basically Hari Kondabalu to me right now. He's he's mad that I said it. I'm <laughs> no, oh my god! I'm just saying, like, don't email us about Matt's racist accent because Matt Matt is a racist, and that we called Central Roads a Gryffindor. Don't email us about that either. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, no, definitely no. Well, okay, wait. We should clarify: Gryffindors can be fucking evil as shit. Yeah, yes, every every can. house we've we made clear that every house uh, has its has the cap- capability of being horrific monsters. Yeah, just because you're in Gryffindor doesn't mean you're good. You can be in like literally uh... Hitler was a Gryffindor. No, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> just like was a great man. And <laughs> every you... house can rape. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, just like <laughs> every house can poop their pants. <laughs> I'll just be like on every podcaster sings a sad, sad, sad song. song. They say goodbye to our <laughs> non-existent listeners. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. Bye.